0: Welcome into to another edition of Central Indiana Today here on 98.9 WYRZ. I'm Rob Kendall. Thanks for joining us on the program today. We're going to talk about the economy in 2017. And with us to do that, the guy who's got all sorts of information, he is a data analyst by day, political historian by night, Mr. Scott Strong. Scott, hello. Hi, Rob. Good to be with you. Great to be with you. Okay, uh, so again, you your day job is you work for a big four accounting firm. Correct. What do you do for them?
3: Um, my official title is I'm the global communications manager. Um, but in, that, in those duties, there's kind of what you're called and then there's what you do some days. So a lot of times what we will do is we will do data mining on... Um, information for companies to let them know what's the best product or what's the best avenue to go forward. Or we look at the economy also to look at what types of sectors that they can go into that might be a good market for their product or services.
0: Okay, so you have information. You are the information man. You are my horse whisperer when it comes to information. Uh, You have some interesting information in regards to several states have raised the minimum wage.
3: That is correct. So if you're not if you're not aware of it, 19 states across the United States had a guys people had a pay raise because right. the minimum wage was forced up in these states.
0: Now, the way the minimum wage works there is a minimum the federal government says you can pay anyone, correct? Correct. And then the states have the option on top of that to say if you live in uh, we'll talk about the state I think New York, you have to pay x which is higher than the federal minimum wage
3: correct so this all started back in massachusetts and back in eight and i think 1912 so it's been like 70 some years um so what happened was um it's right now the federal minimum wage is seven dollars and 25 cents and then states came in and said oh we want a little bit more than that so 29 states actually have minimum wage laws across the united states indiana is not one of those but and so many of them have been in raising that mandatory rate, so it's 725 federally, and then many states have said, "Hey, you know, it costs a little bit more to live in New York. It costs a little bit more to live in California. So we are going to up that rate."
0: Okay, so uh, and the federal minimum wage is 775. Um, 725. I'm oh, sorry, 725. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, that. That seems – I know this is going to sound terrible, but uh, Trump alluded to this. Remember that first debate when Trump said wages are too high? Do you remember that? Yes, yes, he and did. And he got, he got a bunch of flack for that. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what he meant, what I'm about to say, I think, right? That seems a bit pricey. Right.
3: So what happens is there's different
0: wage, the um, wages. It's basically they've
3: set an arbitrary figure. So. What happens is if the Cause it's market... Because it's based on nothing, right? Right. It's based on nothing. Um, so what happens... What The better way is to let the market decide the wage. So... Um, so right now in Indiana, let's let's just take a look at right here in Hendricks County down in Plainfield. I drove down and I seen $9 an hour starting wage. Why is it $9? Because that's the wage they need to get people to come in and take the job. Um, so the market weight, rage, weight rate is the rate that the the businesses are willing to pay and so basically that's by supply and demand and when the federal government or a state government gets involved and says sets an arbitrary rate then it basically makes the employer pay more than they want to and that's what we've had some issues in like Seattle and New York recently.
0: Okay yeah because what happens then I mean you got to remember when we say the rate is too high it's not based on economists or some sort of Definitive scale. It is a bunch of politicians that pulled something out of their backside and said, "This is the new federal minimum wage, right?" Right. Okay. So
3: if you're making, you know, whatever money you're making, I'm saying, no, you're going to pay me more.
0: And the problem <laughs> with that is that then every job, the price of that wage is tilted up based on the minimum wage. Because if you say, right. look, if if, uh, if 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 whatever. Not that there's any menial job, but if a job that anybody could do and the minimum pay for thats 7.25, then a job that's twice as hard would have to be paid twice that when the actual going rate for that might be $10 an hour and, and instead somebody has to pay 14 Exactly. So
3: what happens to this is when we... F- arbitrarily set this wage what happens to the worker so a person comes in let's just say you and I go in we both start working we start working there for 725 and let's just say rob works twice as hard as i do and so they come in and they give him a dollar an hour wage raise because he's doing a great job right so he's now making 825 no doubt that would no happen no doubt that it happens so he's making 825 i'm making 725 and then all of a sudden the state says oh the new minimum wage is $8.25. I get an hour-an-hour an hour raise. Rob's worked twice as hard, and I make the same amount of money, and I'm like, and I'm like
0: why do I want to work harder? I'll just wait another year and wait for another wage re- increase
3: from the state.
0: Now, the, and this is going to sound terrible, but again, mm-hmm. history, this is the truth of history, and Scott is a historian, so he mm-hmm. will back me up on this. The founders did, on some level, envision... Rich people who knew how to make money running our country—is that would I be correct?
3: Yes, Yes.
0: I mean, not everybody, but yeah.
3: So it basically says that the, the, those with the knowledge and the experience would be the ones that would provide wisdom to sure. Other people to help them get ahead,
0: and I say this. I think that was, in some level, a good idea. Not that there should be a means test to run for office, but it's a good idea to have rich people run your government, which is why I like Trump. Because the rich people knew how to create the jobs, they knew how to employ people, they knew should there be a minimum wage, they knew what would happen. Um, And uh, and now we have a bunch of people who couldn't, uh, as we talked about on WIBC last week, who are 109 years old in Congress and would be virtually not virtually would be unemployed if they were not in and Uh, government making the decisions for us.
3: Exactly. So think about it this way. Um, If if I know that I'm going to get a raise every year at a percent, what's my ambition for working harder? The founding government says we want to give you the ability of freedom, freedom to innovate, freedom to be business entrepreneurs. And when you do, then you can become the next Steve Jobs. You can become the next Bill Gates. You can be billionaires. You can be millionaires. But if you're not doing that, then what it does is is it lowers the inhibitions. It lowers the ambitions of everybody, so they do less or do the minimum, expecting to get the most
0: out of it. Again, our guest Scott Strong, a political historian, data guru, or using his data guru side of things today. <laughs> uh, you have some information about these states. That have raised the minimum wage.
3: Yes, so right, so a lot of states, um, and some of them are not all bad. Um, some of them have just ingested their minimum wage to the market forces within their states. Right. Um, so, but some states have raised it a little bit more. Probably the one that's hit the news, the biggest, is Seattle. Seattle has says, "Hey, if you're going to be in Seattle, it's $15 an hour minimum wage." So
0: That sounds very expensive. It's
3: very expensive. and it's That's had, more than
0: twice the federal minimum wage. Yes,
3: and it's had a detrimental effect. So one of the effects of this, businesses are not setting back and just taking this kindly. Um, matter of fact, in Seattle, many of the businesses have relocated themselves just outside of the city limits because they can't afford to pay that much money. Right.
0: So literally, if you had a business that you wanted to be near Seattle, maybe you wouldn't be able to do downtown Seattle, but take Indianapolis, mm-hmm. for example. It would be like... Like if you were on, uh, let's say, Rockville Road heading towards Avon, and as soon as you left the Indianapolis corporate limits, yep. you would still be in Marion County. You could stick a business there. Now, you may not want to stick a business right there, <laughs> depending on where you're talking about. But you get the idea that you would just literally be in that greater Indianapolis area um, but yet you would not have to pay the taxes. Exactly. You'd set up shop just
3: right inside of Hendricks County, but you would offer all your services to Marion County.
0: So what you've done in the case of Seattle is congratulations—you have just chased people, uh, taxpayers from your your area, right? Exactly. So what's ha- one of the things
3: interesting? I don't know if many people have heard about this, but Amazon set up what's called Amazon Go. It's the Amazon grocery in Seattle. Basically, what they've done is they've eliminated all of the cash registers. So you have an app. You have your. Amazon app and it's being offered to their employees. They walk in, food's in the place, you pick up what you want and you walk out. When you walk out, there's a scanner that scans it and sends a bill to your phone because you're registered to it. And now instead of having $15 an hour people that are running the cash registers, we have no cash register people.
0: So, Scott, does the problem become with this that now you will have, let's just use Indianapolis as an example, even though Indianapolis is not participating in this, but you have an area where downtown Indianapolis still might be somewhat thriving due to the fact that they've got pro sports teams, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera, but everything outside of that greater area then becomes a Dust Bowl, and we know Dust Bowl leads to gang violence in 2017, drugs, et cetera, et cetera. This seems like it could be creating a real uh a real scare for these uh these large urban areas in the near future.
3: Yeah, it, it can. So what's happening here is businesses are going to look to start to automate because with automation, you're able to get around some of these minimum wage laws. So another example is in New York City where they've raised it to $11 an hour, which is probably not as bad because it, it does cost more money to live in New York City. Um, but they, but basically, they opened up ETSA. Itza is a middle Manhattan business with no cash registers. You go in with an app. You order what you want. People behind a a wall, kind of like the Wizard of Oz, prepare food. They put it in a little shelf. You come up. It beeps on your phone which one it is. You open it up. You take your food out, and it charges you, and then you walk out. So what's happening is automation is – getting rid of these frontline service worker jobs, which is not—it's a starter wage. It's a place for young kids and people to get involved. It wasn't meant to be a lifelong career.
0: Is one of the big issues that uh, technology—and the, that the dopes that run the government, who will never figure this stuff out—technology uh, the technology is always going to be smart, find a way around— Government. Technology will always find a way around government.
3: Yes, so what, what they're doing here by, by doing this, they're forcing businesses to innovate so that they can keep their profits higher. So in doing that, um, and w- what we want to do is we want innovation so we can be more productive. So sometimes it creates more jobs, but sometimes it also flushes out jobs and it cre- cancels the opportunity that people have when they want to begin and entry the workforce
0: okay uh, let's uh, switch gears here real quick again our guest is Scott Strong Uh, we're using his uh, data side of the by the way Tell everybody about what you do. You have this uh, this this blog, this podcast.
3: Yes, yeah, so it's uh, it's on my website at www.drscottstrong.com, and we talk about strong business insights. So every Tuesday we give out a five-minute review of what's going on in the economy and how technology and innovation is affecting you.
0: Now, Scott, as we said, also a historian. I used Scott the other day uh, when I fill in on WIVC. I'm talking about how Andrew Jackson and Donald mm-hmm. Trump are very similar. Uh, people love that. They thought it was great. They thought it was very wonderful. Um, uh, My point is you know what you're talking about, Uh, or at least on paper you know what you're talking about. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so the other thing that we want to talk about today, of course, we're talking about the economy. We're going to have a new set of government, a state level, federal level. (laughs) And uh, this other thing is this quote-unquote real unemployment rate. What is the real unemployment rate?
3: Yes. So back in 1994, under a Clinton administration, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which keeps all of these numbers, they kind of redid the numbers. And basically they said, hey, you know, if you're not interested in working, we're not going to count you as part of the labor force. And this is something this current administration um, really has pounded forward to us to basically say that there's not as many people working. So when we see that there's a 45 or 4.9% unemployment rate, that's not the real number. So, so, what wait, I, so wait a second. So they just came out one day and said we're changing the way we do this. Yes. This is back in the Clinton administration in 1994. They said, hey, let's recalculate this because when the national news would put out the unemployment rate, if it was
0: lower, it would make the administration look better. Right. So this is my put is with this. This is uh, government manipulating data. Yes. Exactly. Like uh, the CIA claiming the Russians hacked the election. This is exactly. us hacking our yes. own data.
3: Yes. Exactly. So okay. Uh, so what, what? What did they
0: do? What?
3: So what they did is they basically changed the rates. But what I like to do is, and a lot of the economists still look at, we look at what I call the real unemployment rates, which is what's called, the the Labor Department calls it a a line called U6. U6 is the old unemployment rate that everybody kind of knew. It basically says if you didn't have a job, and even if you are not looking for a job, it still means you're unemployed.
0: Right, because somebody like, let's say, my father, who... Mm -hmm uh is retired. he worked for the federal government, which is part of the reason he hates the federal government so much uh, but he worked for the federal government. he is no longer uh, in the workforce. he's not mm-hmm. looking for a job because right. he doesn't need a job but uh, he he would be counted as unemployed because he's technically not working.
3: Well, there's a point where some of that's taken off if they're taking Social Security or at a current age. So probably the better aspect than that is what's called the labor utilization rate. Okay,
0: That means if you should be, they kind of say you should be working.
3: Yeah, so it gives us a better rate. What we do know is that number is an all-time 16-year low at 62.7%. That means only 62.7% of all the people in the United States of America is working. Now, that's understandable because there are people that are of an age, maybe your father of this age, you know, in their 70s and 80s, or their disability, or they just can't work anymore, or they're providing child care, they're raising kids, or they're doing something else that keeps them out of that labor force. Uh, Okay, so you say the actual number then is what, 62.7% right now is what the utilization rate a good rate for the U.S. is about 66 67 percent so that's millions of people that don't have jobs and a lot of them stayed and stayed out of that utilization rate because they got unemployment we've seen i seen this in our company and others
0: okay and as part of the problem with this because now this I'm going way back here they changed the way unemployment works yes. right mm-hmm. where it's now like I'm going to make this up, and you'll correct me, I'm sure. It's almost like two years you cannot have a job and get unemployment. Is that that pretty close?
3: So, yes, they actually did for the first part of the Obama administration. They extended those rates. Now they're starting to bring it back. Okay, see, I wasn't crazy. Yeah, no, you weren't crazy. So um, they kind of did one of these things of a temporary thing to allow you to get uh, unemployment benefits for like two years. And in many states, the states kind of worked in with that, but it's coming back to about a three-
0: or six-month period now. So, Scott, as we talk about the real, quote-unquote, real unemployment rate, we want to know about Indiana. What is our real unemployment rate?
3: So, in the nation right now, the real unemployment rate is about 9.3%. In Indiana, we're faring a little bit better. The last numbers, November is the last thing that came out. Indiana sets at about 9%.
0: Is that So that's, uh, is that good? Or are we doing better or worse? We're doing
3: better than the rest of the country. So if that means for, we have a new governor, um, Holcomb, that's come in, Governor Holcomb. And so when he puts out programs that brings in businesses, that means we still have enough people in Indiana to spear up our economic activity and to really have a good economic boost because we still do have a lot of people that are not working in Indiana that would like to be working.
0: Now, our good buddy, Abdul, he always talks about uh, the skills gap, I think is the Mm -hmm. word that he uses. Uh, Do we have an issue with people uh, not being able to do the jobs that are out there?
3: Yeah, there's there's always going to be a, a part a portion of the population that does have the skills gap. But if you have training, most businesses, when they come in, start to recruit. They start to spin up training programs. It's very rare that you have a large company or a business that's coming in that doesn't have some type of internal training program that will help bring it up. What they're looking for is the people that can
0: learn, that will learn, and are willing to work. Uh, the one issue that I have with all of this is – well, I have several issues, but uh, <laughs> that, that – the average person cannot, I guess they do, maybe they do, they voted for Obama twice, uh, see these unemployment numbers and go, oh yeah, that makes sense that like only 5% of the country is not working. I mean, the economy is terrible. Yes, And we talk about this on IBC, mm-hmm. that there's a fake economy out there, which is the stock market. And the stock market is where the rich people put their money, because there's all this money pumped into the economy, and the only way to keep, uh, keep pace with inflation was to go to the stock market.
3: Yeah, so what happens here is when you start looking at the numbers, this is what tells you. First of all, 32 million people are... There's about 112 million that are working in the private sector. The federal government and civilians and contractors make up 32 million people that are working. So we have a little bit of a fake unemployment rate because we're kind of like the Depression, kind of like Hershey, Pennsylvania, where the Hershey guy that had a lot of money said, hey, we're not going to innovate. We're going to hire everybody just to keep them busy. Have them, <laughs> have them move that pile of dirt over there and have them move it back. And that's kind of what the federal government has done. Not It used to be the place where the federal government well, it was underpaid. Now, a lot of those workers are overpaid, plus they have a lot of vacation time, so they're paid a lot of money, but it's off of the backs of the private industry and the private sector that pulls the taxes off that pays for those people
0: to be working. Alright, I'm going to hit Scott with this because we didn't say we are going to talk about this and and we'll see. Uh, Scott is pretty diverse and he pretty much knows everything about everything uh, and it relates to the economy. This HIP 2.0 program mm-hmm. that Indiana has, which is yeah. the insurance program, yep. the anti-Obamacare program, i am confused on this help me understand this because i know some people that are on this they pay like a dollar a month to be on this program and this sounds a whole lot like the federal program only i'm paying for it am i wrong and is this how is this sustainable that someone uh who will need insurance who will use the system is paying a dollar a month how is that
3: sustainable well, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not, a, not an expert in this area, but basically what's happened here is by working with private industry and business and government, um, the Pence administration basically went in and kind of rewrote the regulations so that it made sense on the type of um, treatments and the ability to get medical care that's conducive to the most economical way of providing it. So instead of me just going in and saying, for, so for instance, You know, if something's wrong with me, there's many ways I can get medical care. One of the ways I can do is I can just show up at the emergency room. And guess what? Everything at the emergency rooms is an emergency, and there's an additional price tag on it. But if I don't need an emergency room visit, there's no reason for me to be in the emergency. So this is kind of an analogy of what HIP 2.0 is. It says, hey, we're we're going to take care of you, but we're going to take care of you in the most sensible economic way. And in doing so, we're cutting the overall cost. Cost of providing care for you.
0: Is the big problem, though, that you have people that are now just discouraged from working? I mean, the person like this goes, Well, what do I need to try to find a job that has insurance? I can get it for a dollar a month. Yeah. And no joke, folks, this is what it costs for the HIP 2.0 program if you can make it through the bureaucracy Mm -hmm. and get approved. It's a dollar a month. And there's no work verification with this thing. Yeah,
3: and That's not an all bad way because now all of a sudden one of the biggest costs to an employer for me hiring you if I wanted to hire Rob to work for me, which he probably wouldn't want to work for, for me, um, is the fact that I've got to, he's he saying, hey, what's my insurance? What's my benefits? But if I have this, now all of a sudden he may not be so inclined to stay with me. He may move on to other fertile pastures. There's a lot of people that are close to retirement that will not leave their current jobs because they have too much vested in retirement benefits or health insurance benefits. So it becomes kind of golden handcuffs. So this is another aspect of the businesses that could free them up if people have the ability to explore with other health programs.
0: Good, our is Scott Strong. Uh, let's wind down here. The new legislature has convened. We mm-hmm. talked with Abdul uh, what will be yesterday by the time this runs, uh, about this roads funding bill. I'm really angry about the roads bill, as you know, because I believe everybody's being very lazy. I believe these uh, politicians, and we like a lot of these people personally, but I believe they're being very lazy and they're going to raise taxes. And Abdul says the tax increases are coming. It's inevitable. Might as well lay back and enjoy it. And uh, basically said that no matter how much ruckus we make, the, you won't stop it. Nobody's going to make a ruckus. I disagree. What do you think?
3: Yeah, I disagree, too. If you put enough out there on these legislators, they will but right now, they, they're at the beginning of a two-year session. They're thinking, do it early. Two years from now, people will forget. Um, they're hoping that the gas prices continue to come down. Um, there's some issue with OPEC. We can talk that, about that on another program, but what's happening is, if you say things, I think the biggest thing that you can probably drive home with the legislature is, that, and this is a big issue, is the gas tax that's Been corrected, collected, doesn't always go to roads and improvement in Indiana. So I think that's a good place to start. And like I've said before, there's one guy in southern Indiana that knows every legislator (laughs) in the state of Indiana that fell into a pothole of $600 and now everybody's responding to that one. Now, here's
0: where I'm very torn. And I'm going to need your counsel on what I should do here because, as we all know, there's two Robs. There's broadcaster Rob, yes, and there's activist Rob. Mm-hmm. And activist Rob uh, gets things done. Activist Rob also gets a little rough around the edges. Yes. Uh, there's one guy in Hendricks County who doesn't have a job in politics anymore because he made activist Rob mad. And I'm really upset about this uh, this roads thing because I think it's a lot of laziness. Uh, but I'm torn now because I got to be broadcaster Rob more. Should activist Rob come out on this one? Because there's me- a lot of shaming. Activist Rob does a lot of shaming.
3: Yeah, I think the, the, there's accountability that we can, I think all citizens, whether activists or radio, I think there's accountability that the money that goes for the roads should, for, collected from taxes from roads or from gas, should go to the roads. Plus, we got to remember, Trump's coming down for a trillion-dollar stimulus program on infrastructure, which means roads and infrastructure. So much like the issue here in Brownsburg where the the, the 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 school board wanted to raise the tax rate laziness laziness but at the same time we know that money's coming along so i would say let's get the let's get the finances fixed and then see what the federal government is going to do and then plot this thing out over 10 to 20 years like holcomb's talking about to have a real road repair program
0: and if you will have hurt by now heard abdul's thing on this there's all sorts of increases that could be on the way to pay for this it will offset a lot of the tax decreases that have come. Uh, so I'm just going to name some names here. I'm not telling you what to do. I uh, like all these people personally. I'm just going to give you a list of your local representatives here in uh, the greater Hendricks County area. If you're hearing the show, there's a good chance you're represented in the Senate by either John Crane or Mike Young, Michael Young. Uh, John Crane or Michael Young. If you're in the uh, hearing this, there's a good chance in the House. You're represented by uh, Jeff Thompson or Greg Sterwald. So I'm sure they would love to hear from you on what your thoughts are on uh Using your money, uh, more of your more of your money. That's the keyword, more of your money to pay for a road. So you could do with that information as you as you please. Uh, Scott, thank you for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Hey, don't forget if you missed any part of today's conversation. Check out the podcast anytime you want. We're on SoundCloud and iTunes now. Download the show right to your smartphone or tablet. Go back and listen anytime you want. As always, the podcast presented by McDonald's. Until next time, I'm Rob Kendall, saying so have yourself a great evening. You've been listening to the Kevin
3: Kersey Agency presents Central Indiana Today on 98.9 WYRZ. Made possible by the Kevin Kersey Agency, 701 North Green Street in Brownsburg. An archive of today's program can be heard at our website, wyrz.org. Tune in next time for another edition of the Kevin Kersey Agency presents Central Indiana Today with your host, Rob Kendall.
1: Hello, this is Kevin Kersey. Since 1968, our family has been helping customers with their insurance needs. We provide insurance coverage for life, home, auto, and recreational vehicles. We are located at 701 North Green Street in Brownsburg, and our phone number is 317-286-3481. The Kevin Kersey Agency can also be found on Facebook at The Kevin Kersey Agency, or at our website, www.farmersagent.com forward slash kkersey. The Kevin Kersey Agency is a proud member of the Farmers Insurance Group. The UPS
0: Store Brownsburg is located at 124 East Northfield Drive in Brownsburg. Their phone number is 858-1422. The UPS Store Brownsburg can handle your printing needs, including color, large format, and business cards. They also do blueprints, mailers, and invitations. Thanks to owner Tom Reese and all the folks at the UPS Store Brownsburg for supporting community radio in Hendricks County.
2: can be found at impactyouthmentoring.org or via email at impactyouth1010 at gmail.com. Indiana
0: Family Dentistry is located at 505 North Green Street in Brownsburg. Dr. Will Hine practices general and cosmetic dentistry with services ranging from veneers and whitening to implants and complete smile restorations. Indiana Family Dentistry's phone number is 852 852- 5999 and website is infamilydentistry.com. Indiana Family Dentistry is a proud supporter of Hendricks County and Community Radio.